listening to Rumination Thursday on this March the 14th in the year of our Lord 2019. And being uh, Rumination Thursday, it means with us we have Reverend Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, and I'm anxious to hear what you've decided we're going to be talking about. <laughs> took me a while to twist your arm into this, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I, when you first mentioned it, I wasn't too enthusiastic, but the more you talked. So give a kind of good summary of what uh, you had found. It was an article that was uh, in the Springfield newspaper, and I subsequently downloaded it and sent it to you over the email. It was called, Houses of Worship Are Not Just for Worship Anymore. And the article describes a variety of ways that uh, churches are are um, using their facilities, some all the way to using the, the sanctuary for outside events. Uh, others, pretty much their classrooms or uh, gymnasiums, auditoriums, using it uh, for various uh Events sometimes even running them out to, to to the public, depending on uh, what type of ministry you want to use, uh, use it for. What Bible that, passage does this remind you of? Uh, initially, initially none. Well, I'll, I'll say one word, and you'll know immediately. Whip. Whip. I never heard that one. Sure you did. He took a whip into the temple, temple. because uh-huh. they were misusing the sanctuary. They they were selling their wares, remember, where the Gentiles were to worship. Okay. See, I was looking at Matthew 25. I was hungry and I was thirsty and I, that, that nature. You know, you, you, we've got two juxtapositions there. Yes. How do, how do we bring them together? Well, number one, when I was a pastor for 28 years at my original congregation, I definitely, say on Saturdays, the ladies' aid would have a clothing sale that they had brought in clothing and selling it very inexpensively. Uh, They would go like from 9 to 1, and people knew to wait till 12.30, because at 12.30, the ladies didn't want to keep any of the clothing you would be able to get a bag, and whatever you could put in that was a buck. <laughs> now, you wouldn't be opposed to that kind of item in the church outside of a worship service, would you? Oh, no. In fact, if we had families that were in need, they could come in at any time during the sale, and they'd do it for nothing. Yes. You also mentioned out uh, people, some are renting out we had a congregation that would rent out their sanctuary to a denomination that was not Lutheran. And I attended even one of the services there, and it was really terrible. Because when we dedicate a sanctuary in the Lutheran church, we're saying that this is going to be reserved for teaching that is in sync with the Bible and according to Jesus' message. And, of course, this one was not, but they just needed money. Would uh, you be for or opposed 
to congregations that rent out their sanctuaries to non-Christian churches? I'm absolutely against that. I, I think uh, your sanctuary is a place of worship, and it's a confession. That's there right. Was a, there was a book uh, written by Werner Ehlert, uh, a German pastor, called uh, Eucharist and Church Fellowship in yes. the First Fourth Century. And he, he was very much t- talked about how the church made his confessional basis. The, the church that you worship at was the church that you confessed at. So you're at cross purposes. Now, when you were in the Central Illinois District under the district president there, what was your official title? Uh, stewardship and Congregational Life. Did you run into any of these situations where you felt the congregation might be using their uh, buildings for inappropriate reasons? Not a single one that I can can ever remember. Right. I agree they, with that. They, they set their sanctuaries apart as sanctuaries, and then at the other end of the spectrum of their facilities, they would set up their food banks, their clothing banks, their youth banks, uh, AA meetings, you name it. Uh, to to reach out and, and try and do some ministry in the in the area. Yes, after uh, listening to you, I had had a conversation. Believe it or not, it was yesterday uh, with a uh, a situation where um, we got talking about whether or not dogs should be and other pets be brought into the church to be blessed. Would you say that's an inappropriate? Use of the worship? Uh, I'm old school from, from the farm country. Dogs are outside animals. Same way with the cattle, you, you name. I mean, to ask that God watch over them, that they, they uh, keep, uh, you know, during inclement weather and things of that nature. Yeah, because it's part of creation. Yes, in the Bring prayers. In, yeah, in the prayers, but... I don't know if I'd I don't think I'd go on dedicated worship service for it. Never did. We had uh, at one church I uh, helped with two individuals who always brought their dogs to worship. What blind. Were, very good. Yes, I was trying to trick you. They were both <laughs> blind, and um, in, in fact, you know, I drive for Uber. They have a rule that I cannot say to somebody who has um, a senile dog that they can't bring him into the car. Okay, what do you do about everybody's got a comfort dog now? I wouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, A lot of times you can lay something down on the seat or or whatever, or they just sit on the floor part of the car if you've got uh, a large enough car and such like that. But you're not permitted to say no to somebody uh, just because they have uh, a pet. Now, they were saying seeing-eye dogs. I don't know about comfort dogs. I, I wouldn't have a problem. A lot of these older folks who take their dogs grocery shopping, the dogs are small enough that they just hold them in their lap. Right. So, but give me an example in the article you read of churches not properly using their houses of worship. Well, there was one where they talked about they rented out to a business, and they asked that the business give they collected rent from them, but they also asked that they give a discount uh, to uh, to the 
community for for being in the facility. That way they raise rent. That was cited as one that I've seen quite often out there. Have you ever heard of Toastmasters? Um, yes. In fact, my father was part of that. Isn't that where they help you to learn how to do speeches? Speeches, yeah. Yeah. They're coming to churches and, and renting their auditoriums to hold their meetings. That That's an instance of, of, a, of a rental agreement going on. So you would be opposed to renting out the sanctuary, not only for other worship groups, but also for the use of a business where they would be able to sit in the pews and conduct business that has nothing to do with uh, the church. Well, I, that goes back to your Bible passage where Jesus drove out the money changers. I think that's what you're using your sanctuary then as, as for. If you're talking about the gymnasium of a church or an auditorium that they, they've got, that's, that's a little bit different uh, center, but... Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that either. In fact, um, St. Michael's in Kinlock was a church that used to exist, and the building was basically a gymnasium for the neighborhood, and they would change it into a worship place on Sundays. Well, now, yeah, the that's... problem is they needed some air freshener. Because the people that played basketball the night before, and so it was right. kind of <laughs> smelling and such like that. But they would do their worship service from uh, inside. And, and you know, the early church did it in houses. And, of course, in the houses, they would continue to do a business after the worship service, etc. Right. Well, but I've never seen, maybe somebody else has, but I, I've rarely seen... For a church that starts out as a mission, where they they multi we call them multi-purpose buildings, you, you worship one day and then you convert it over to a gym or whatever. I rarely ever see them get to the the stage where they build a sanctuary. Yes, uh, this particular church I just mentioned did not, but some churches start off. Uh, for example, I don't know. A lot of Good Friday services, the tre-or service, the three-hour service. Right. We would, uh, when I was at Emmanuel Lutheran Olivet, we would rent out a movie theater mm. and go there and do the three-hour worship service, and people could come in during the lunch hour, etc. You would not have an objection to that? No. Yeah, okay. No, no I'm just, I'm really thinking of, you know, your sanctuary is a is a place of worship, and I think you adequately brought that out right at the very beginning. Is that we not use it for money changers or events that other than we're there to worship to try and God and confess Him. Yes, Lord, indeed. Now, when I first heard you say that, what jumped to my mind is what we have been talking about about inappropriate sermons. That it seems to me a worship service that has a self-help sermon, you oh, know, yeah. that would be also an, an appropriate use for worship. Yeah. Well, behind all of I, I would agree with you. Behind all of this that I see emerging in, in our Christian denominations is entryways, entry points that we can get for for the unbelievers to come engage with with our churches. Give me an example of what you're talking about there. 
Well, you, uh, um, in the article, it talked about that they set up a youth center uh, for homeless youth, and that uh, the church would 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 uh, send out a space for a a uh, non-for-profit organization that reaches out to the teenage youth that are homeless, and how would they go out and, and help them? And uh, or a pregnancy center was was another one for unwed mothers, but it was a entry point that uh, the people that were using the facility came into contact with the, with the church and the church could, could give its message. And hopefully along the way. Yeah. You wouldn't have an objection to that. No. Yeah. I'll tell you what we did at the congregation I was at. Uh, We had a number of items. Number one, our basement room was handicapped accessible. So we would always, encourage the legal authorities to allow us to be a voting area. Right, I've seen that, yes. In the big room, we were not allowed uh, to put up any political signs like pro-life or things like that. But they had to go through a hallway to get to the room. (laughs) We would (laughs) plaster the hallway with sides. (laughs) And then I stood at the back door to the kitchen, which everybody had to go by. And especially on presidential elections, I sold hot dogs. We would make five, six hundred dollars because the lines were so long. <laughs> and what, you put your, your your church card in inside the the napkins or something? No, we didn't do that. But uh, yeah, there were some people who ended up attending the church after having gone through that. The other thing we did, we were in an area where people were immigrants and did not know English. And so we did rent out uh, one of our Sunday school areas, not on Sunday morning, but during the week, so they could teach English uh, to new immigrants. Mm. And you know why there's such a rise in, in trying to do these types of operations? No is they, they see it as a replacement, as the door-to-door knock that, that used to go out in the communities. The doors aren't opening up in the evening or security factors in, involved in that. They figure this is a way to get people to come to them. That's uh, kind of a good point because when we first began the ministry in 74, we didn't have a problem going out and knocking on doors, and we would do caroling at night. People would come to the front door. That just doesn't happen. People won't open their doors anymore. And so you need to send letters to them or emails if you get their email address. Uh, One of the big things, and I know you were really active in this, was Vacation Bible School. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially... uh, I remember one of the techniques you used... You want to explain how you did that with uh, kids who came and then you told them something? Well, I set them up with uh, that we would do a radio program with, with, with you, which we did that one, one year. Right. And, and uh, they, you even went out and made CDs of the programs and we handed it out to each one of the kids that uh, attended. They talked about that for years. 
Well, one of the other items I remember you did, you would encourage the kids who came on Monday to invite other oh, kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, how did you forget that? That was really a good... <laughs> <laughs> and I know you went from three kids all the way up to five by the end of the week. Oh, uh, my no, class you didn't. tripled. They said it was the yes. largest class in the... Right. In the VBS. Yes, and, and that became a good place for kids to start coming to Sunday school, too, then. Because uh, although they wouldn't have anything to eat like they had a vacation Bible school, at least they had entered into the church in, in some way. I, I yeah. think when I think that worship places aren't properly used for worship, it's because of the teaching that goes on uh, in the sermons, etc., um, I mean, there are some, how, how would you like to go to an ELCA church where the two male pastors are married? Yeah. That's not an appropriate worship setting. No, what they've, it, it's a kind of a self-righteous center that, uh. Now, when I gonna... say they're married, they're married to each other. Right. <laughs> not married to women. <laughs> yeah. I, I, better I, I ex- thought you drift. Yeah, uh, but some may not have. So uh, that's what we're really coming up against. And that's why that statement by God the Father at the transfiguration, listen to him. him. Yes. And uh, many of these churches are not listening. And look at how many still, every false religion in the world outside of Christianity is still teaching salvation by works. Works. Well, you, the springboard off of this a little bit, the the other thing that uh, seemed to arise is you go to the store, they got a jar out there for some needy kid program or adult program, uh, give you a spare change, or, you know, what happens is you use your credit card at a store, yeah. at a prescription, do you want to donate a dollar? When can a Christian say no to that? Right. That 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 seemed to be one that spawned from, from looking at all of this material. Yeah, I don't know. Was I at Hardy's or someplace? And they said, would you like to give a dollar uh, to this special thing they had? And I said, oh, I'd love to if you'll give $5 to Concordia Mission Society. <laughs> And they didn't know what to say. (laughs) So, yeah. I'll tell you another area, and we've had a little bit of that problem within our own synod denomination, is that contemporary worship services are taking over truly biblical worship services. And people are going to be entertained because they may have a band up there and I've attended some of those, and you hardly ever hear the message of Jesus Christ. You know, I just had that discussion about a half hour ago with a layperson that's, that's at one of the local churches here in Springfield. is very large with contemporary, and it looks more like entertainment than it is worshiping the triune God. You see, you can get a lot of numbers at your church if you use 
uh, certain ways. Contemporary worship service, people enjoy, you know, being entertained, and they don't even realize it's a, a worship service to Jesus Christ who died on the cross for them. The other thing is uh, there was that... Um, a group that would have free breakfast. They had an attendance around 40. They began with free breakfast, and it went up to over 400 people a Sunday there. And then they ran out of money, and it went back to 52 people. (laughs) So they gained 12 people after six months of free breakfast, and it was obvious why people were coming to church. Well, I knew of churches that did it with Lenten meals, you know, advertise it in the community people would come to the lenten meal but they wouldn't come to the lenten service oh really yeah no we had a lenten uh meal last night and uh everybody who was at the meal definitely came to the service because we said if you come to the meal and don't come to the service then the meal is 25 dollars <laughs> We didn't didn't do that. (laughs) But it it sure got everybody to uh, come to the worship service. We had a pretty good crowd, actually. I I don't know. um, I'm doing another Lenten with two other congregations tonight in a different area. But uh, it appears that some churches, when they know there is a midweek service, they they tend to attend. And... um, what I'm doing is the words from the cross mm. and giving insights into them that, um, you know, people just don't really understand why Jesus said what he said. And a lot of times he appears to contradict himself. Like last night, what the theme was was a real easy one. Jesus dies on what day? Good Friday. He rises from the dead on what day? Easter Sunday. Then how can he say to the thief, today you'll be with me in paradise? The the way the Roman Catholics get around that, they translate it this way. And Jesus said, today I'm telling you, you will be with me in paradise. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you resolve that apparent? Yeah, I want to know how you resolve that. Well, you see, I believe that when a pastor preaches, he's not telling something they already don't know. He's bringing it out of their heart and putting it in their head. And the way I do that is by asking a question. And I actually was talking with a a woman in the office yesterday about this, and I said to her, she, she didn't understand how Jesus could say what he said. And I say, okay, let me ask you this question. What happens at the moment that you die? And what was their answer? Who you go to see Jesus? Who? You. No. Person. What are you talking about? The spirit. Well, the spirit, yeah. See, we don't believe that the whole person Jesus rose from the dead on Easter Sunday. We believe his uh-huh. body rose from the dead to re. re- be rejoined with his spirit. And guess what one of the words from the cross is? Father. Forgive them for they know not what they do. No. Father, into Why? thy hands. And I commend my spirit. He's, uh. He actually says it. Mm. And why did he do that? Because, and that was the point of the sermon. Jesus is a human being. 
Well, it's Ecclesiastes where it says, when we die, yep. the body returns to dust and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Exactly. But you will be amazed. Try that question on some of your people. They won't know how to answer it. And yet <laughs> they know it in their heart and they want you to tell them, oh, of course. How come I didn't think about that? Think about that. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I love preaching because I always start off with a question that gets the people confused. Because the Bible is totally confusing and appears to be quite contradictory when it really is not. But I'll tell you, a lot of people are not being fed God's word because of the point that you made today that a lot of houses of worship are not for worship anymore. Right. The confession is not there of Christ as, as the Savior. Yes, exactly. And uh, the morality taught in a lot of these churches, even if they say they're Christian, is contrary to the Word of God. And no wonder so many youth are leaving the organized church when they hear that nonsense. Yeah, the question I had behind all of this is, how does the central message of the church, the gospel, the saving gospel message, remain the central message? Yes, right. And the way that occurs is obviously by sermon, liturgy, hymns, readings, etc. Well, thanks very much, Pastor Reimnitz. That was a good topic you brought up. And God willing, we'll be back next Thursday. I'm Tom Baker, and that was Pastor Reimnitz. And God bless each and every one of you. The lights just went off in the studio. Oh. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. God bless. Goodbye. Day morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.